Hello, and thank you for joining the Cairo Union podcast. This is Dr. BJ Roca. I am the founder of Cairo Union and a private practice chiropractor in Washington State. And this is the Cairo Union podcast. Thank you for joining us. I love and appreciate all of you. The Cairo Union podcast is created by chiropractors for chiropractors. Our intent is to bring to light the marketplace and the sector of chiropractic and educate the practicing doctor of chiropractic on the reality of our profession. This is a stage on which we can share information to support each other and be critical of each other and advance the profession. Today, what I'm going to be talking about is the doctor of physical therapy program. I believe that the doctor of physical therapy is a huge threat to the doctor of chiropractic. And I've received a lot of you know, really aggressive, I don't want to say feedback, but uh, rebuttal of this fact and a lot of uh, debate on whether or not the doctor of physical therapy is an actual threat to the profession or an actual threat to chiropractic or practicing chiropractic. Unbelievably frustrating uh, to look at the facts and for other chiropractors to ignore the reality of the profession as it is today and the threats that we face is infuriating because they actually could do something about it, but instead they are part of the problem because they do not, they minimize this threat or want people to believe that it's not a threat at all. And it's just, it's, it's purely out of their own either stupidity, their own ignorance, or their own selfish desires to enrich themselves. They peddle in misinformation. They peddle and they sell this idea of a fake reality, these gurus that are out there. So we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about the doctor of physical therapy. We're going to talk about the history of the DPT program. We're going to talk about uh, what the current state of the DPT program is, what their goals are as the American Physical Therapy Association, and why they are such a threat to our profession. So first, let's just start off with the history of it. Physical therapy obviously has been around for a number of years and a long time, but for many, many, many years, for the vast majority of, of the profession, they have required a prescription from a medical doctor in order to receive or provide physical therapy to patients. They had to get a referral and or follow the instructions or the care plan that was created by the medical doctor. And the medical doctor obviously is part of the AMA. And as we all know, the AMA fought chiropractors for a number of years, decades, they spent millions of dollars. They got the Committee of Quackery, they got public defamation, you know, worse than the Nazis, worse than the Nazis, as Sid used to say about the AMA, because they did. They described chiropractors as being worse than the Nazis in the 40s and in the 50s. And Dr. Chester Wilk, right, an individual, said, well, this isn't right. They are interfering with my rights. They are inhibiting my rights as a chiropractor, as an individual. They are defaming me as they defame chiropractors and chiropractic, and that harms me as an individual. And they may have the freedom of speech, but they don't have the freedom to defame me. And I have rights that protect me from defamation. So he sued the AMA, and he took his fight all the way to the Supreme Court. And he started this fight in the 80s, but it wasn't until 1990 that the case was actually decided by the Supreme Court. There was trials before that. There were court cases before that. But it wasn't until 1990 when the Supreme Court failed or refused to hear any further appeal in November of 1990 that the case was actually settled and won by Chester Wilk against the AMA. The Doctor of Physical Therapy program was started in 1992. Okay, now in my opinion, looking at reality, the war 
between the medical community and the chiropractic community was continued on. It wasn't over. We won a battle. Dr. Chester Wilk went to the Supreme Court and won a battle. And he won an important battle. And it was a monumental victory for chiropractors to end public defamation of our profession and the suppression of research that showed chiropractic was safe and effective. And my conversations with Dr. Wilk, that was actually, in his opinion, and my conversations with him, what had actually won the case. They were able to demonstrate that the AMA was acting in a manner to of collusion in order to, because there was a huge study that was done with soldiers and service members in the 1950s. And it demonstrated that chiropractic was safe and effective for treating a variety of conditions that service members were afflicted with abroad. But the AMA didn't want the findings to come out. And they suppressed it. They lost it. They 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 suppressed the information so that it wasn't made public. And they refused to publish it and for other people to have access to it, to share it with others. So they suppressed the information. And it was the suppression of that information that Dr. Wilk feels ultimately led to his victory. And he was able to publish the results of that study, which demonstrated in a very large sample size that chiropractic is both safe and effective. And that research has been duplicated over and over again, regardless of technique. Chiropractic, time and again, has proven to be very safe and an extremely effective means of treating a wide variety of conditions that can afflict the human condition. So he fought the AMA to end their decades-long, their multi-billion dollar battle in effort to destroy the chiropractic profession because we take from their already overinflated bank accounts. We conflict with their pet theories. We don't fall in line with the medical model. We are a vitalistic model. We are different. There can never be a relationship between a principled chiropractor and a principled medical provider because the two principles conflict. They do not, they're not congruent. That's why the AMA work works to destroy the chiropractic profession. That's why they invested so many billions of dollars over so many years to destroy the profession. But that's so effective and people love it so much and there's so undeniable that it continued to persist. And the backhanded conniving means that the AMA was using in order to influence the public was brought to light by Dr. Chester Wilk in in his case against the AMA and he won. But he only won a battle. Because immediately following the 1990 victory of Chester Wilk against the AMA, 1992, we have the Doctor of Physical Therapy program established. Now, without any members, without any actual professionals, the Doctor of Physical Therapy managed to get a scope of practice in all 50 states that eliminated the necessity for a medical referral. So they have patient direct access. All 50 states, patient direct access, no need for a referral, just like a chiropractor. They provide manual therapies. They provide manipulative therapies for musculoskeletal conditions, just like the chiropractor, right? They have a very similar scope of practice in all 50 states with patient direct access. They are direct competition to the doctor of chiropractic. To think anything otherwise is dangerous, and it's based on delusion, because in reality, they have an extremely similar scope of practice that provide very similar services, and they have patient direct access in all 50 states. Now, the terms may change. In some states, they may call it spinal manipulative therapies. In other states, they may call it joint mobilization. In other states, they may have a different name for it. But it's all very much the same thing. Even these chiropractors that claim, well, we've outlawed 
physical therapies from performing grade four spinal manipulation. Do you really think that there is a patient out there that understands the difference between a grade three and a grade four manipulation or understands the difference between a gross manipulation and a specific manipulation or a general mobilization versus a specific mobilization or joint mobilization compared to joint manipulation. These are not things that the patient's going to be aware of. They're not going to know the subtle differences between these things. They, they're concerned with the overall experience, right? I got my back popped. I got manipulated. He threw a leg over, he pushed on me, so made some popping sounds, I feel great. That's what the patient's going to walk away with it from. That's what they always walk away with it from. Because they're educated in their own profession. Maybe they're a welder, maybe they're a boat builder, maybe they're a bridge builder, maybe they put lay flooring or a plumber, an electrician. They've got their own language. They've got their own set of professional terms that they are educated in. They've got their own education. And it doesn't include spinal manipulative therapies. Those fall outside of their area of expertise. Even if their expertise is waiting on tables or cooking eggs or make, you know, cook a chef, a sous chef, a, a line chef, a pastry cook, a saucier, person that uh, does nothing but drinks wine all day, right? You got whatever they're called, right? These are all experts and they're very highly educated and they could tell you the subtle differences between a rosé or a, I don't even drink, so I don't know the differences in wine, but you know, a chef could, could taste or feel like that's always an amazing thing. Well, how do you tell if a, how a steak is cooked? And Chef Ramsay, he'll go up and he touches it with his finger and he says it's undercooked, it's overcooked. Didn't even cut it open. How do you know it's undercooked or overcooked? He's so his tactile senses are so in tune with what he's doing that he and he's so educated in it that he can feel how well the meat is cooked by feeling it, right? But that's not possible by me because I'm a layperson. I could look at a steak or feel a steak and I couldn't tell you if it was well done, underdone, raw, rare, nothing. I couldn't tell you anything about it, but Chef Ramsey can because that's how he's highly educated. And a chiropractor could do the same thing with this manipulative therapy. Are there differences between a grade three and a grade four manipulation? Sure. Is a patient going to know what they are? Absolutely not. Just like the, the customer in a restaurant can't feel the steak and say it's undercooked or overcooked, but they can taste it, they can look at it, and they can say, well, that's undercooked, that's overcooked, right? But they can't feel it. They don't have the same depth of knowledge as the chef. Same as the chiropractic profession versus the physical therapy profession the person experiencing it doesn't have the same depth of knowledge as the person delivering it so they don't understand these subtle nuanced differences in their mind they're pretty much the exact same thing and that's what we're dealing with the direct competition are there differences between a kia spectra and a cadillac of any kind absolutely kia and cadillac are very different things kia and mercedes are very different things but they're both automobiles, I can still get in them and drive from point A to point B relatively safely. Well, I get there, I might get there quicker in the Mercedes. I might, I might not even have to touch the steering wheel in a Tesla or a Mercedes or one of these self-driving vehicles. I might, it might be a totally different experience, but they're both vehicles. They're both modes of transportation. Chiropractor and physical therapy, the exact same thing. So we are in literally in direct competition, especially with the very similar scope of practice and patient direct access, because both the, the doctor of chiropractic as a primary care provider has direct patient access and the doctor of physical therapy also as a clinical doctor has direct patient access. And th their scope of practice in all 50 states has a similar language because it's an organized effort that led to have them having the scope of practice. And it includes the diagnosis and intervention 
and prevention of limitations in movement, function, and health. They get to diagnose, because I hear that a lot from these other doctors that are out there, these gurus, these people that want your money for some nonsense. They'll say all the time, well, they can't diagnose. I hear that excuse all the time from these people. They can't diagnose. Of course they can diagnose. Now they can, they have a broad spectrum of diagnosis? No, but neither does the doctor of chiropractic. You're not gonna diagnose a myocardial infarction. You're not gonna diagnose cancer or stage cancer or anything else. You're gonna make the proper referral. Same thing that the doctor of physical therapy is going to do, but they can diagnose limitations in movement, function, and in health, right? That's the same thing the chiropractor can do. What is a subluxation if not a limitation in movement, function, and health, right? So that they're, they're using the very similar language to achieve very similar means to communicate a similar message, but they're doing it in a more organized fashion with a greater war chest. So in 1992, they start this program. They start graduating people. All the way until 2013 is when they finally had 150 doctors of physical therapy. So the initial growth was very slow. People weren't joining on board. There weren't a lot of institutions teaching it. There weren't a lot of students enrolling in the program, right? It took a time for this to grow. But since that time, They've been able to introduce the doctor physical therapy program at over 220 colleges and universities. And many of these colleges and universities are public, meaning that they're subsidized by the government in some fashion, making their per credit cost lower than a private institution. A private institution has to assume all of the expense, has to cover all of its overhead by means of income from tuition and fees. They don't have any subsidy. So any bill that they have to pay, any cost that they have to assume, is going to be paid for by the student, not by the government and the student, which is the case in a public institution. Now, let's look at this as, a, as a, in a number of different ways. We're going to take the same set of circumstances and we're going to look at it in different ways and look at it as a sector, as a profession. And we'll take the entire profession of chiropractic and treat it as a business, a business that's in competition. Okay, now our competition has 220 factories. We have 13 or 15 factories. They have far more factories than we do. If they're going to produce a doctor of physical therapy, if they're going to produce their product, right, it's going to cost them considerably less because their factory is subsidized by the government because their per credit cost is lower. So we're looking at this as a business. They have more factories that operate more efficiently at a lower cost than chiropractic, right? Because they have more schools that are subsidized. The overall process of creating a doctor of physical therapy the educational process, the manufacturing process, if you will, takes 2,000 hours less than the doctor of chiropractic. So these factories that are more than 10 times more factories than we have, that are cheaper to run than ours are, they also produce the doctor of physical therapy faster. So they're making their product faster. They're making their product cheaper. They're making it at a greater rate than we are because they have more factories, it takes less time and it costs less money compared to the doctor of chiropractic. Which one are you going to invest in? Because this is exactly how investors look at industries. This is how they look at sectors within the healthcare profession. This is exactly what they do. What kind of growth can you demonstrate? Right? We can't demonstrate any real growth. But since the 90s, we can demonstrate monumental growth in physical therapy and doctors of physical therapy. They've expanded the program tremendously. They've been increased enrollment tremendously. They've increased their income-making potential tremendously. Doctors of chiropractic have remained flat. They cost more to make, takes longer to make. They have fewer opportunities, fewer number of schools, less subsidy. So they're a worse investment. Because I'm going to look at this as a student. 
right? So as a business aspect, we have to appreciate the fact that the doctor of physical therapy is far better suited to dominate the industry or the marketplace compared to chiropractic, right? Because if the marketplace, these are automobiles, right? They'd be making cars faster, cheaper, and at more locations than we are. They're going to flood the market with cars way more than we are. So we have, we'd have to charge, if we were cars, we would have to charge tremendously more, just like the Cadillac or the Ferrari, the Lamborghini, the Tesla, any of these vehicles that take more time to build, that offer, that, that have fewer factories, right? They're able to persist into the future and have longevity because they get a higher premium. They're a premium product at a premium rate. But that's not the case with chiropractic, right? We'll get into that a bit more later, but I think we all can understand that the doctor of chiropractic is not on par in terms of income with the doctor of physical therapy, at least from the insurance perspective and from the IRS perspective. They make more money than the doctor of chiropractic. So, but look, let's take a moment and let's look at this as a student, because I've had this conversation with doctors of chiropractic that have kids that they would like to see take over their office one day or join the profession but then the kids learn about the doctor of physical therapy program and they start to do some research so let's look at this as a student well I've, I've posted this meditation on facebook before i've read this meditation by a number of other people when considering the future of the profession so let's just take a moment let's do this meditation together i am a student i'm entering the workforce my father or my mother, they have a practice, uh, let's call it Optimum Health Solutions, right? You've got your Optimum Health Solutions out there, and they want to get an education and take over the family business at Optimal Health Solutions. Mom and dad, or mom or dad or whatever, uh, whoever's involved, they're adjusting patients, and they're doing manipulative therapies and manipulative therapies only. They're not doing any type of actual physical therapy. The only thing they're doing is adjusting patients fairly straight practice junior is looking at the schools all of junior's friends are going to the state school some of them are studying politics some of them are studying economics some of them are studying business management some of them are studying mathematics some of them are studying the doctor of physical therapy but they're all going to the same big public school thousands and thousands of their friends are going to that school they got big football games on saturdays right they've got a basketball team, a volleyball team, a track team, a swim team. They got extracurricular activities. They've got people coming in to speak to the student body. They've got alumni associations, booster clubs. They've got concerts, comedians. They've got a huge student union. They've got a campus. They have a name recognition, right? The University of Southern California, University of Kentucky, University of uh, Pennsylvania. These are all schools that people have heard of. Where did you go to school? I went to University of Southern California. Oh, you're a Trojan. Everybody knows, not everybody, but it's it has a much greater name recognition than any chiropractic school. And when you graduate, it's going to cost you far less. It's going to take you less time. And you'll have the same scope of practice. You can walk right into Optimal Health Solutions, mom and dad's office, and deliver the exact same care that they're providing to their patients. And you don't even have to change the name of the business. Right? You're still Dr. So-and-so just like mom or dad. Same last name, same prefix. The only difference being your degree on the wall would say doctor of physical therapy from the University of Southern California rather than doctor of chiropractic from Palmer. Who's ever heard of Palmer? Chiropractors have heard of Palmer. That's about it. Maybe a few people that live in Davenport or in Iowa, but not Joe Public, right? Not, not Jane Smith. These people have heard of the big schools. They've never heard of the small schools. And these schools are tiny, right? The largest chiropractic school is a fraction of the size 
of the small of a small public university. Small public university could have 10, 15,000 students on it. A big chiropractic school may have, you know, 1500 students, 1000 students enrolled in the program. It's a fraction, it's tiny. Now you're the student, where are you going to want to go to school? Are you going to want to pay more per credit? Are you going to want to take 2000 hours more in class to go to a much smaller school that might have a great rugby team? But they certainly don't have SCC football or ACC baseball, right? Or all these other sports and extracurricular activities that you can get involved in. They don't have any of that, right? They don't have, because they're not big enough. So which school are you going to go to? None of your friends are going to the small school. You won't know anybody when you get there, right? Because it's going to be completely unknown. You're probably going to have to travel to get there. You're not going to be able to go to your stay within the state or stay within the community. You won't be able to travel from home. Maybe you can. I mean, there's a, there's thir- 10 or 13, 13 or 15 chiropractic schools in the country. Maybe you happen to live in the area of one of them. But the chances are, with 220 schools that are state public schools that are subsidized, chances are you're going to live somewhere near one of those. And even if you have to travel a couple of hours to get to it, you can still make it home on the weekends or holidays. Unlike if you live in Texas and you want to go to a large chiropractic school, you're going to have to go to either Atlanta or Iowa. That's not going to be a trip across the street. I mean, sure, you can go to Texas College of Chiropractic or you can even go to Palmer West or Life West. But these are, if you've ever been to these schools, these are buildings in an industrial park. These are small, small schools. They don't have athletic fields, right? They don't have stadiums. They don't have libraries that, that are, you know, multi-million dollar libraries. They have small libraries that are a couple of rooms that have some books or have some models have some av they don't have a movie theater all right they don't have a a huge av department they have people some of these campuses have people dedicated to get earning degrees in audio visual industry right so they've got it's a they're huge conglomerates with a wide array of study which means they have a broad student body so if i'm going to go spend three years I could spend three years at DPT school and be done, or I can do my prerequisites and spend four years at chiropractic school. So I'm going to spend 2,000 more hours at chiropractic school, but I'm going to spend it in a group of 1,500 people, or I can spend it in a group of 20, 30, 40,000 kids that are my age in a similar age group. Chances are I'm going to, I'm going to go with the DPT. It's cheaper. It's faster. It's the same scope of practice. It makes no sense to join the chiropractic profession if you look at it objectively, even if Mom and dad have a chiropractic office that you want to take over. You could still take it over, still have a very similar scope of practice, if not expand the scope of practice as a doctor of physical therapy in some states. If you were in Washington and you came into my state, not only would you be able to offer the spinal manipulative therapies that that any chiropractor could provide, but you could also offer a variety of other techniques. So why wouldn't you do that? You'd be able to broaden the scope of the pra- of the practice by getting less of an education. How crazy is that? You get less of an education, but you have a broader scope of practice in the state of Washington. Thousands of hours and less training, but a broader scope of practice in the state of Washington. It's ludicrous. There's other things too that are that the doctor of physical therapy has, has been able to accomplish in a relatively short period of time that suit them to completely dominate the market. Now, the market is people that are seeking this type of care, people that are in pain, seeking conservative, non-drug, non-surgical intervention. No drugs, no surgery, right? They're seeking this kind of therapy. That's a sector within the marketplace. That marketplace 
had been dominated by doctors of chiropractic in the 60s and 70s and in the 80s, but then we started to lose focus and we started to lose market share and it's only continued to increase. It's a slope. The rate of the the rate will start to increase soon. Because people will stop enrolling in chiropractic school. They will start enrolling in doctor of physical therapy school. And this will further perpetuate and increase the downward spiral that is the decline of the chiropractic profession. And the utilization of chiropractic has not gone up. It's remained flat. In business, in market, if you're not gaining market share, you're losing market share. Because the market is growing. In almost all cases, the market grows. So then in order to remain viable, in order to perpetuate into the future, you too will have to grow with the market. Look at Kodak right? and photography. They did not embrace digital photography. They did not observe the changes in the marketplace. They remained true to their principle and remained true to their core belief right? Of, of image quality or whatever and film photography. And look how good it's done them. Try and find a Polaroid. Try and find something that says Kodak on it. Blockbuster, another one big, huge company. They didn't observe or respond to the changes in the market, the change in the distribution of that type of media. You can now download or stream that media rather than go to the store and rent the media. They could have easily adapted their business model to serve their huge customer base in response to the changing market, but they failed to do so and they died and they died a quick death. You started to see a very slow decline Oh, it's nothing to pay much attention to. And then it's increased and the downward spiral took over. And very quickly, it crashed and burned. We've already started the slow descent. It's just that there's the guru and the, 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 the false leader, the false idol in chiropractic, that they're using it as an opportunity to enrich themselves. Instead of saying, the sky is falling, these are the problems in our profession, it's this is what you need to do in order for you to be successful, just pay me some money and I'll show you how to be successful. No, you're struggling because there are laws that are being set up to oppress you and to destroy you. That is the cause of your problem. So now let's look at the doctor of physical therapy on a business model. I have far less training, but a broader scope of practice in some states. In some states, I may have a, a, a more limited scope of practice or an equivalent scope of practice. It, it, can, it can change wildly. But the doctor of physical therapy, they are the ones that form the diagnosis and the treatment plan. They have what's known as a PTA, an assistant physical therapist or a physical therapy assistant. The physical therapy assistant is a technician. They do all the same things a physical therapist does, but they do not diagnose. They do not form care plans. They do exactly as they are told by the doctor of physical therapy. Now, why is this so critical? Because it, it, the incre it it's a exponential increase in the number of people that the doctor of physical therapy can see. Instead of seeing one patient at a time, as the chiropractor is forced to do, the doctor of physical therapy can now care for a number of people all at the same time because the technician executes the care plan. Now, why can't the why can't chiropractors do that? How long does it? It doesn't. You know, most of our education, at least half, if not more, is dedicated to diagnosis and primary care, not the technical aspect of providing care. So, if we have one doctor that oversees a team, so if we have one chiropractor that oversees a team of chiropractors or a team of chiropractic assistants, they can see a, vat, a great number more people than they would individually, which is the model we're forced into now. You are forced to be in the office. You are forced to deliver the adjustment. You are forced 
to these limitations of time. You can only see so many people per hour. You can only work so many hours per day and so many days per week and so many weeks per year. It's a hard limit on what each individual chiropractor can, can do, which therefore puts a limit on what the profession can do. The doctor of physical therapy, their limit is far higher because they have technicians that will perform the physical act of the intervention that they oversee. The doctor of physical therapy creates the care plan. They form the diagnosis. They eliminate the red flags. They know there's no referral to be made. They assume their liability and their responsibility for patient care, but they oversee a team of assistants that perform the technical aspects of the care plan. So that at any given moment in time, however many assistants they are allowed to oversee or however many assistants that they employ, that's how many people that they can serve at one time without even being involved. If you have, in some states, you could, looking at these scopes of practice, I could be a doctor of physical therapy. I only need to be accessible by phone. If we have established care plan and patients coming in, they're all on you know three-week care plans, six-week care plans, whatever the case may be. They're, on, they're all on care plans. And I have assistants that all have, they're all trained. They all know what to do. They all have their instructions. I only need to be accessible by phone. I could go out to lunch. Patients can still be seen in the office while I'm accessible by phone. I could go to California or New York or New Mexico. I could go on vacation. As long as I am accessible by phone and they're not creating care plans, but carrying out care plans that I've prescribed and I've trained them on how to do them and how I want them to do them and conduct the technical aspects of the care, I can continue to earn money while I'm not there. They've exponentially increased the amount of money that they can make and the number of people that they can serve while we are limited. And who is forced upon these limitations, right? In all likelihood, most of these limitations, the opposition to chiropractic, the opposition that in increases the amount of education that we need to receive, the opposition that limits the amount of people that we can see is likely the result of an organized American Medical Association continuing their efforts to destroy our profession. As you install limitations on us, you exploit not having those same limitations on the doctor of physical therapy. Why would a person with 2,000 less hours in training be able to have the same scope of practice and oversee a team of people to execute the technical aspects of the profession while we need to have 2,000 hours more training and we're not, we don't even oversee people that can perform the physical aspects or the technical aspects of the care that we provide or the interventions that we provide. There must be a reason for that. How do you wind up in that place with such a disparity in training? It's not for the patient's protection. Any type of board that would advocate for the patient is not going to advocate for less training than doctors of chiropractic to have a broader scope of practice, how do you then justify the hours of training required for the chiropractor? You can't, it's impossible, unless there's some type of nefarious influence, right? And maybe, not, maybe it's not even nefarious, but there has to be a lobbying effort. That's has to be an organized effort in order to wind up at this place, in order to get here, in order to have thousands of hours and less training and have a broader scope of practice in some states. That took some real work, that took some real effort. You didn't just wind up there. Because if the people that make these decisions, the patient advocates that put the same requirements upon us, will put the same requirements upon them. It's the only means that you can use to justify the requirements you placed upon us. So that's one way. Looking at it as a business that the doctor of physical therapy is poised to dominate the marketplace because they can see more people. They have a lesser limitation on their ability to see people because they have the ability to oversee providers. The APTA, which is the Association for Physical Therapists in America, 
has 95,000 members. On average, it costs $450 to become a member of their association per year. That means they have an annual income in excess of $40 million per year. Okay, just like it, just like a man that makes $40,000 per year, the company that makes $40 million per year can spend far in excess of the amount of money that they make per year, right? You can have financial instruments, debt that you can use to your benefit, right? You can buy, if you have a million dollar income, you could buy a $10 million home. Or actually, I think you could buy a $3 million home. There's some number. Right. It's 27% of your income on the monthly note would be able to, was what you would qualify for on a home. But that home could, so 27%, that would, the other 63% is above and beyond your income. So you're financing that 63%. But that's a hard asset. So if they want to acquire assets, they could do so using financial instruments in excess of hundreds of millions of dollars. If they wanted to do promotions or marketing or, spread a message or whatever a lo lobbying effort whatever they want to use their money on they not only do they have 40 million dollars in cash every year but they have an income they have the ability to use that the leverage that 40 million dollars and turn it into 200 or 300 million dollars which they do in order to benefit their members in order to advance the cause of their profession by the year 2020 the they hope to have 85,000 doctors of physical therapy. That's within the next three years. From 1992 to 2013, there was only 150. From 1992 to the year 2013, they only were able to create just over 150 doctors of physical therapy. But by the year 2020, they want to have over 85,000 and be the nation's largest provider of spinal manipulative therapies with patient direct access. They've all but stated publicly that their mission is to take over the chiropractic profession. That's called remove and replace. That's a strategy. It's a business strategy. Well, there here's this profession. They're dominating this marketplace. We could take it over. We're going to remove and replace, which is exactly what they're attempting to do. The doctor of physical therapy is direct competition. Competition is a threat because competition actively works to minimize your market share while increasing their market share. That's their job. That's what they do. They actively work to minimize your income while at the same time working just as hard to increase their income. That's competition. You are not in competition with the Cadillac down the street. You're a Cadillac. Cadillac down the street isn't nearly the competition as the Kia, right? That's the competition for Cadillac, is the Kia, because it's cheaper. Oh, you want power seats. Well, you can get a Kia with power seats. Well, you want a sunroof. You can get a Kia with a sunroof. Might spend a little more, right? You can do it. But you're not gonna get a Cadillac at Kia, because no matter what you do at Kia, it's still gonna be a Kia. It might be a fancy one, but it's still gonna be a Kia. Same thing at Cadillac. You can get a cheap Cadillac, but even a cheap Cadillac is not a Kia. And an expensive Cadillac, a nice Cadillac, is nothing like a Kia. All right, or a Mercedes, a nice Mercedes. They're both cars, but they're wildly different. We need to be in the way that our industry is set up right now. We should be the luxury brand. We should be paid top dollar because we have so much more training than the doctor of physical therapy. We should, we're, we should be considered far safer because we have more training. We should be considered more effective because we have more training. We should be the better option because we have more training. But that's not the way it's perceived. We should. It, all that training costs money. So we should be paid a higher rate because it costs more to get the same license, to get that license, to have that scope of practice, to have that clinical setting. All those things cost money. 
So if we have to spend thousands of dollars more in order to get this, an education, to get a license, then it would make sense that we'd be paid thousands of dollars more. That's why you get more training, so that you get paid more. Is there anyone out there, or is there any job that you can go apply for right now that will pay a graduate with a bachelor's degree less than a graduate with a high school degree? Oh, we see here that you have 2,000 hours fewer training. And uh, yeah, no, we're going to start you off at uh, 50000 or $100,000 a year. But this person here who has thousands of hours more training, they have a bachelor's degree. They're highly skilled in this particular field, in this job. We're going to pay them half of what we're paying you because you have a high school diploma. And they have a high school diploma with a college degree. So we're going to pay them half. Well, that's the exact situation we find ourselves in now because of collusion with the health insurance market, the AMA, the medical industry, the medical industrial complex and the scope of practice. It's not without, you know, why do they, it's not without effort. Like I said, it, it, you don't wind up at these places just willy nilly. You don't wind up having thousands of hours and less training and generating more income than the other profession without some real effort. And they've been at it for 20, 30 years. It's not like they just started this yesterday. They've been at it for a long, long time. It's only now that it's starting to manifest. Now we're starting to feel the effects of it. Just now we're starting that downward slope. We're just now, but at that slope is gonna, the, the angle is going to start increasing exponentially. And very soon it'll become a steep downward dive. And that's gonna, the harder and steeper it is, the harder it will be to reverse and reverse the influence, reverse the effect. Once the schools start to shrink, once the schools start to close down, that'll mark the end of the profession. We need to act now in a meaningful way to force real change now in order to save the profession so that schools don't start to close and that the profession starts to grow, that we start to increase utilization. That needs to be our mission, and it needs to be an urgent mission because if we don't do it quickly, all will be lost. The profession will come, to, will cease to exist as we know it. Now, of course, we'll have licenses, we'll be practicing, and we'll move on throughout the rest of our lives, but there'll be no one to replace us. Once the schools start to decline, that's it because then there'll be fewer and fewer options. There'll be fewer and fewer students. There'll be fewer, less and less chiropractors graduating they will not be replacing all of the chiropractors that will be retiring and dying and passing on will continue to shrink and as the size of the profession shrinks the utilization will continue to shrink and those factors will start a downward death spiral and within you know a relatively short period of time in the grand scheme of things the entire profession will cease to exist it just will not persist because the me those methods that best serve mankind will perpetuate the methods not the profession the methods are that which have been stolen by the doctor of physical therapy. They're taking our methods and applying them to their profession. They're advancing and growing their profession. They're increasing their utilization using our methods, and we're doing nothing about it. Besides arguing with each other about whether or not there's even a threat, on which this blatantly obvious competition is even considered competition. You're going to sit here and argue about whether or not there's competition or not when it's obvious that there is competition. Extreme competition that has a tremendous advantage. Oh, that's not, that's not even a threat. That's not even, that's not even competition. They're not performing chiropractic. They're performing manipulative therapy. They can't even do a, in my state, they can't even do a grade four manipulation. What is a grade four? You think there's a patient out there that understands the difference between a grade three or a grade four manipulation or it gives a care about any difference between the joint manipulation and joint mobilization and 
spinal manipulative therapies or a gross manipulation, a specific adjustment. They don't know anything. They don't care about any of that. They don't even know about any of that. How are we going to, okay, how are we going to educate the public on any of that? We don't have a common language. We don't have an organized message. We don't even have marketing dollars. Our, our budgets are measured in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, not in the millions of dollars. And it's teamed with con artists and scams. There's dozens. We support more scams and more con artists than any other profession out there. We're riddled with con artists and con men that are just feeding constantly like a parasite on our profession, feeding on these realities. They mask over. They say, oh, no, 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 there isn't an industry problem. There isn't a problem in our sector. Nobody's going after our patients. Utilization isn't a problem. We need you. We'll show you that give you the tools. We'll show you the secrets on how you can be successful. All you got to do is pay me some fee and I'll sh tell you the secrets. I'll show you the way. I'll show you how you can become the, su the successful one. Don't worry about the doctor of physical therapy. They're not a threat. That's not real competition. It's brutal. It's a, br it's a rough world out there. So this is, thank you for listening. This is the Cairo Union Podcast. We've got a lot of information that we want to get out there. But first, we want to talk about the doctor of physical therapy. And hopefully, we'll have more content like this to come out. We've got other threats to the profession that coming up in the future. I'm going to continue to talk about the doctor of physical therapy and the threat it faces to our profession. But I'm also going to we need to talk about misinformation. We need to talk about insurance oppression. And we need to talk about some other things. These are all factors that are really important to the doctor of chiropractic on a daily basis, especially insurance oppression. If you're a billing provider, a non-billing provider, a cash provider, you know, insurance oppression affects all of us every single day in our practice. So we'll be talking a lot about that coming up. And we're going to get to more detail about the physical therapy as time goes on. But I want an introduction. I want to get that out there. If you have disagree, if you want to give me some feedback, reach out to me, CairoUnion at gmail.com. If you want to come on here and talk to me about it, let me know. We'll schedule something. If you don't believe me, if you don't think that this is a real threat, if you don't think that this is real competition and that competition is out there working to minimize chiropractic every single day, then get on the phone, get on the email, get on Facebook, facebook.com slash CairoUnion, CairoUnion.com, CairoUnion at gmail.com. Get at me. I'll talk to you. We'll get the message out there. I'll help you see the light because this is the truth. This is what's going on. Everything indicates that the doctor of physical therapy, that Wall Street, the big money, investors, investment bankers, they're all behind physical therapy. Some of them are getting behind that the joint. They're getting some money behind them because they're showing some growth. But look at what they're doing, right? They're the they've abandoned the insurance model completely, right? And they've minimized the cost, right? It drives the cost down. And we'll look about that. We'll talk about market influences, market factors, what influences the rate of uh, pay, reimbursement, and things like that. We'll get into, these are complicated topics that we'll get continue to get into in the future. But this is important. Uh, to start with the doctor of physical therapy and Dr. Wilk and the AMA, because this is what it's all born out of. This is all born out of conversations with Dr. Wilk, born out of conversations with other chiropractors. And this is this is what it's born from. So this is where we're going to start with the doctor of physical therapy. So I hope I gave you a little bit of a, a an overview on what the true competition is, the doctor of chiropractic. But it's it's bigger than just the doctor of physical therapy. Don't think for a minute that they're the only ones out there offering manipulative therapies to their patients because they're not. You got athletic trainers out there doing it. You got naturopaths out there doing it. You got nurse practitioners out there doing it. You got all kinds of different healthcare providers getting trained in the methods of chiropractic. And then they're taking those methods and they're mixing them with their allopathic healing model. They're out their reductionistic philosophy. And that's what a mixer is. A chiropractor that offers physical therapy, that offers other modalities is not a mixer. 
That's some bullshit that has been started by these gurus that want internal conflict. We need to eliminate internal conflict and realize that the mixer is a derogatory term that was coined to refer to outsiders that were attempting to destroy chiropractic. And that's exactly what the athletic trainer that gets a certification in manipulative therapies is doing. He's destroying chiropractic. That's what they're doing. That's a mixer. The, the DPT that uses spinal manipulative therapy mixes our methods with their reductionistic approach, their allopathic approach. That's a mixer. They work to harm chiropractic. They are to destroy chiropractic. They are in direct competition with chiropractic and actively work to minimize the profession every day. That's the truth. That's reality. Anything beyond that is just some kind of delusional fairy tale that's being spewed by a guru to enrich themselves. Watch out for the guru. Until then, be kind, be cool, be careful. I love and appreciate all of you for listening to the Cairo Union podcast. Look out for us uh, in the future. I have no idea how often these podcasts are going to be coming out. I'm a private practice uh, chiropractor as well. And obviously patients uh, in my life uh, take a high priority and will continue so into the future. But uh, we need to get this message out there. We need to start building a stage. And this is the first brick, the cornerstone of the stage for our profession. The Cairo Union podcast is being laid today. And I appreciate everyone for taking the time to listen. And we really need your feedback. So if you have anything you want to say, you want to agree, disagree, show support, look for us at uh, facebook.com slash Union or reach out to me directly, Union at gmail.com. Thank you very much. I love and appreciate all of you.